0: Last night, a NASA satellite lost orbit and came down in a remote part of southern Utah. When that sucker came down, it killed a lot of people. I mean, no one's saying infectious outbreak.
1: Could be a gas or some kind of a virus. We suspect a biological agent now codenamed Andromeda. Welcome to Now Playing's Andromeda Strain retrospective series. There'll be a thousand
0: mutations. Andromeda will spread everywhere. They'll never be rid of it.
1: Part of the now-playing Viral Outbreak movie review series. Don't be scared. I'm a doctor. Hosted by Jacob. What have you got to fight this? Stuart.
0: How much does he know about Project Scoop? As far as we
1: can tell, nothing yet. And Arnie. I just wanted to inform you that all members of your team have been cleared and are now being called in. You'll get complete details on everything when your team is assembled. This podcast may contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. I recommend calling a wildfire alert. Listener discretion is advised. I guess you better go in and have a look.
2: Today we're discussing The Andromeda Stream, starring Benjamin Bratt, Eric McCormick, Krista Miller, Daniel Day Kim, with Ricky Schroeder and Andre Brower, directed by Mikhail Solomon. This is your member of Species Podcastus Infernus, Arnie. And Stuart.
0: And this is the great know-it-all, Jacob. We've reached the 2000s, a decade that in its first seconds, everyone was freaking out about a bug. The Y2K virus, remember this? (laughs) Oh yeah, that wasn't a virus though, that was a thing with coding
2: errors but computer viruses have plagued the 21st century y2k was not one of them that was just because people in 1960s and 19 even through the 80s
0: were like we'll never need to have a four-digit year in our lifetime yeah it was a non-event but everyone just thought that yeah we could all be groveling in the darkness like reverting to cavemen kind of like how we are now maybe but
2: as an it person let me say it was a non-event because steps were taken Had steps not been taken, it wouldn't have been a non-event. Now, would we have lost power? Would the world have melted down? Would planes have fallen from the sky? No, none of that would have happened. But your spreadsheets would be pretty fucked up if we hadn't done our job. And we thank you for that.
3: Yeah, I use spreadsheets every day for work. So thank you, Arnie.
0: (laughs) Anyway, I think we all know that terrorism quickly took the spotlight. But remember, Saddam Hussein did threaten to use bioweapons. It was the reason why we invaded Iraq. Colin Powell went before Congress, held up this vial. I don't know what was in this vial. It could have been tap water, but it was scary because he held up the vial and he said, this is the reason we need to go to war. And we went to war because, yeah, Saddam supposedly had this plague that could... Wipe us all out. And so that was worth risking the invasion of the country. And Powell was right. There was a biological epidemic that could wipe us out going on, but it wasn't in Iraq. It was in Hong Kong. At the same time we were invading Iraq and finding out there was no weapons of mass destruction, Hong Kong was having an outbreak of SARS. Bird flu. Remember that one?
3: Yeah, I feel like the last 20 years, there's bird flu and swine flu, like all these animals just giving us this flu.
0: It's coronavirus. I mean, do you guys realize it's all in the oh, same yeah. family of COVID-19 and much deadlier. I mean, it actually has a fatality rate of 10%, so covid 19s 3%, ha, we laugh at you, with bird virus.
3: Yeah, you have MERS, which you get from camels, and that's super deadly.
0: Yeah, and, I, you know, if it just stayed in these animals, we might be better about it. Okay, bird, you can get sick, uh, I'll be fine. But, of course, the whole point is viruses copy themselves imperfectly. That means mutation. That means that they eventually have properties that allow them to jump into other animals, like human beings. And that's what happened in Hong Kong in 2002. 2002 was spreading throughout Asia in 2003. They're not exactly sure how patient zero got SARS, but the fact that Hong Kong is a world-renowned trading post with lots of wet markets where we've heard about these exotic animals corralled by pigs and chickens, and that is a reason why it broke out. And we ought to be glad that it is more deadly than COVID-19 because it meant that it was less infectious. If you get it and you die quick, it's not going to spread as fast if you have it and don't know it for two or three weeks. And SARS, you couldn't spread it if you didn't have the symptoms. If you were asymptomatic, nobody else was going to get it from you. So after two years, they were eventually able to get this under control. I think... The official number is 800 people died, but that's coming from China. Who knows? Even if it were triple that number, that's nothing close to the death toll of COVID-19. Yeah, it seems so small by comparison, whereas at the time, it's like, oh, my God. Yeah, and I think, you know, SARS legacy is an unfortunate one for Americans. I think we, because that happened, I can at least say personally, I believed, oh, that's a Chinese problem. You don't want to go to Hong Kong because that's where all the viruses are. The only way that it impacted me, I'm embarrassed to say, was that it changed my job and made it a whole lot easier. I had got hired to serve on this boat for Semester at Sea, and they were taking all these college kids all across Asia... Bird flu broke out and they're like, okay, we're going south. The last minute they're just, we're going south and we'll just go whatever's down there, which meant Australia, New Zealand. None of the teachers knew anything about Down Under. (laughs) And so that meant no lectures. I was the AV
3: guy. Guess what? Party! Yeah, lots of Crocodile Dundee and Yahoo Serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: but it was an omen of things to come. And of course, nobody thinks of coronavirus as being purely stuck in one area of the world anymore. Pandemics are global. But
2: obviously SARS is not the reason why you bring back the Andromeda strain. Michael Crichton's the reason, right? You just keep trying to mine his works for money? Yeah, he wanted to sell those rights again. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think disaster movies were kind of all the rage in the 1990s. You could kind of look at it as that first movie was a disaster movie or could be, and I think it was Outbreak that was kind of the problem. They wanted to bring it back in movie theaters, and Outbreak didn't hit. They couldn't find an A-list director. Ridley Scott was off making G.I. Jane. He couldn't make his Hot Zone movie. And so, finally, somebody said, all right, Sci-Fi Channel. And they got Frank Darabont. Frank Darabont ruined his career with that Jim Carrey movie, The Majestic. And they're like, you can do this. And he was like, all right. And sci fi's idea was we love it. This is in our wheelhouse, but you got to make the virus sentient. It's got to be an alien, you know, like that's our thing. So, like, eventually we got to be seeing somebody with antennae on their heads. And, and that was what they were going to build to. And I think Darebout was going to make that movie, but basically ended up getting offered the mist. And that was what he really wanted to do and enter Ridley and Tony Scott. Scott Free Productions is trying to expand into television. They have a couple shows on TV, numbers. A CBS procedural is their biggest hit, and they think, okay, we'll do Andromeda, but not for sci-fi. We want something with a little bit more respect. They land up in A&E. It started in the world as like Jane Austen costume dramas and ballet and opera, arts and entertainment... But by this point, they were hiring Dog the Bounty Hunter and Duck Dynasty and Chris Angel. It was oh, That's
3: like, all in arts and entertainment? I Wow. I thought that would be CMT'd. <laughs> it
0: became a reality TV network. So they were trying to rebrand and they saw the Scott brothers and Andromeda Strain as a great way to do that. So they said, absolutely, but about that budget and the Scots say on the commentary that was the big problem was that they had the property they wanted to do, Ridley Scott. Finally, is going to get to make his hot zone, so to speak, but there were certain budgetary restraints, and that included a very short window for pre-production and shooting on green screens in Canada, which if you shoot in Canada, that also means you're hiring a certain ratio of Canadian actors, and so I think it was compromised, I think would be a a gentle way of saying uh, how this movie turned out. But it was a hit. 4.8 million people watched it. It is the second biggest movie A&E ever did. Six Emmy nominations, including Outstanding Miniseries, and they lost to Paul Giamatti's John Adams HBO Second President series, but respectable. It gave me some hope that this wasn't going to be Sci-Fi Channel Dune or...
3: Well, until you saw Benjamin Pratt was in it. Yeah.
0: Well, like I said, they knew that they didn't have the money for the cast that they wanted. And Ridley Scott certainly could have gotten a higher caliber of performer, but not without some coin. And he's not making it. This is being made by Mikhail Solomon, who was largely known as a cinematographer. He was DP on the Abyss. His whole career from this point forward is directing Lifetime and A&E movies. Well, we've covered him
2: before. He was the director of the Salem Slot miniseries from 2004.
0: Yeah, which I liked. That was on TNT, and that was good enough. I, it, I thought it was superior to Toby Hooper's, and I liked that book a lot, so it helped. And we're going to
2: be seeing him again when we finally get to Big Driver in the Stephen King
0: retrospective. Yeah, that's years away. Nobody knows
3: what that is either. I saw it. It is a Lifetime movie. There's a Lifetime movie based on a Stephen King novel? I think there's two, actually. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's strange.
0: But anyway, well, we'll stick with this one. Arnie, why don't you give them the plot again? I think it'll feel a little familiar, but they did update. This is not only an adaptation of the book. Oh, yeah. I had to write a whole new plot summary.
2: When a satellite crashes near Piedmont, Utah... It releases a virus that instantly kills most of the town's residents. The army gives that virus the codename Andromeda. General George Mancheck, played by Andre Brouwer, invokes Project Wildfire, a team of specialists assembled to try and research and determine how to stop this plague. That team is led by Dr. Jeremy Stone, played by Benjamin Bratt. His ex-Flame, Surgeon Angela Noyce, played by Krista Miller. Military virologist Major Bill Keene, played by Ricky Schroeder. It's Rick Schroeder, damn it. No, it used to be Rick. He went back to Ricky at, by this point.
0: Really? He, he would still call himself the Rickster? I mean, what, what choice does he have?
3: <laughs> if he wants work, that you got to appeal to that 1980s Silver Spoons crowd.
2: Yeah, it was, it was in the 90s and early aughts that he was like, it's Rick. But I was surprised it is Ricky in the credits here microbiologist Dr. C. Chow, played by Daniel day Kim, and pathologist Dr. Charlene Barton, played by Viola Davis. They go to an underground lab to study the virus, as well as two survivors from the town, an old man and a colicky baby. Meanwhile, above ground, drug addict reporter Jack Nash, played by Eric McCormick, gets wind of wildfire and begins investigating. The government keeps trying to shut him down by killing his informants, arresting him, and more. Back underground, General Manchek tells the scientists the origin of the satellite dish. It was used in Project Scoop, an investigation of a wormhole that appeared in our solar system. The satellite got near the wormhole and came crashing back to Earth. And on Earth, Andromeda mutates, starts killing animals as well as dissolving solid material. The wildfire team realizes Andromeda can communicate with its other cells, and they find a binary code on Andromeda that tells them... Bacillus infernus, a bacteria only found in thermal vents. That bacteria easily destroys Andromeda. And the group theorize the bacteria is from the future.
0: (laughs) I mean, talk about pulling it out of your ass. All right, maybe. As wormholes are
2: traveled through space and time, they think that future humans sent Andromeda back. And the reason being, not to kill their own past, but to tell us to save the Bacillus
0: Furnace. Is Stephen Hawking dead or did this kill him? <laughs>
2: <laughs> See, the president was beginning to promote thermal vent mining, and it's possible that in the future, all Bacillus Furnace was destroyed, so future humans had no way to fight Andromeda. But by sending Andromeda back in time, humans can be warned and know to keep some of this biological matter around. The government wants to keep some Andromeda as a weapon, so the evil Colonel Ferris blackmails Barton to keep a container. Andromeda gets loose in the station, which begins a nuclear self-destruct to sterilize the land. But Andromeda actually grows stronger on nuclear energy, so the scientists of Wildfire must team up to stop the self-destruct. In doing this, Keen and Chow are killed. In the aftermath of the event, Stone and Noyce have reignited their passion and are a couple, and they tell Nash of the government conspiracy. But agents continue to hide Andromeda. Manchek and Ferris are killed, and we see a container of Andromeda being put into a space station. And it happens to be the same container that
0: caused the outbreak in the future, as credits roll. And you know, I think in 2008 there still were video stores. People still went, right? Like, that was still happening.
2: Mm, barely, barely. <laughs> we had family video around here, which still hangs on to this day. Yeah, it won't die.
3: Oh, there's some indie places that are still around today, yeah.
2: But by 2008, I would moved to a small town and everything was Netflix.
0: Well, my point is that if you went in and you were like, oh, I'd always wanted to see The Andromeda Strain, you grabbed the box, you didn't know that there was two movies, you would know instantly, like, oh, shit, this is some TV miniseries shit. You know within seconds that this thing does not have the style of the last movie. And we talked last time about how it opened with that great radio play that made you lean in and try to figure out what's going on. TV audiences, they can't fuck with that. You know, they've got to get you on the hook fast, and they got to go, we can't slow down for science. we got to move through this, because you'll flip the channel. And so everything's got to be really exciting, and that's what we get here. We get the original movie done in, what, about 30 seconds, I think, here? The whole opening in Utah. What's surprising to me is
2: this is a two-night miniseries. And the first movie was a little over two hours. And so I'm like, oh, God, I knew this was TV and that I'd have to see the same story again. I'm like, am I going to be sitting through three and a half, four hours? No, it is about a half an hour longer than the original only. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But racing through the plot points much of the first night is the original movie, but like on methamphetamine. Like I can't even (laughs) keep up. I don't even try to follow the science.
3: I was shocked seeing how fast it was moving because I'm like, where's the procedural stuff? You know, where's the stuff that I liked in that original one? This was just zipping by. And I guess they're going to add some new characters, some new subplots, which boy, do they feel like filler when we talk about this journalist. I
2: have to ask Stuart, with all this new stuff, Is there anything at all in this miniseries
0: from the book that wasn't in the 70s film? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I talked about how there was the cop that came through the town and then patrolled and later left and went to a diner and shot it up. We will get that character in here. And some of the ideas. I mean, Crichton has a habit of just waxing philosophical about what could be and what should be. And here's some interesting theories They will try to dramatize some of those theories that didn't get any airtime in the 1971 movie. But, you know, the thing is, you mentioned the word procedural. By this point, procedurals are super popular on television... And I just got to put it out there. I can never follow those CSI shows or whatever, like them describe, oh, I did this to the body and blah, 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 blah. Dude, I never understand what's going on in those things. I n- I feel like I just have to be told, oh, they did it at the end because <laughs> I can't figure anything out from all the evidence that they're putting together.
3: Well, yeah, because they're making up science and making ridiculous leaps in logic, like, which is fine. People can find that entertaining. I don't, but yeah, I, I think that's why it's hard to follow.
0: I want to be with them figuring out the mystery And they're rocket scientists. And I'm the idiot that just, I don't know what they're doing. Just tell me when it's over. And that's how this feels. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, but I
2: felt that way a little bit about the first one, too. We talked about it when we're discussing base and acid and all of that.
3: Yeah, the difference is I felt like they were doing real science and this feels like Gwyneth Paltrow's goop type science. Like, they're just going to race through stuff. At least the other one, I'm like, oh yeah, okay, bases and acidics. Like, I kind of remember that from high school chemistry. Like, that felt more sincere and real to me than the stuff that they're going to race through in this film. Yeah, and uh, there
0: was just an, ominous quality to the opening i mean the buzzards up in the air and nothing's moving in the town you gotta let that breathe we gotta like creep into that moment by doing it all within two minutes before the commercial break i mean they're going to be in the facility before we're seeing commercials that's an hour of that original movie condensed to a a rapid fire montage that may cause seizures i mean daniel (laughs) Dick kim may get a seizure watching this damn movie listen their first movie was.
2: Overly ponderous at points. Sure. So, while the beginning is my favorite part of that movie, it's in fact the only reason I recommended that movie was the stuff before they got to the lab, I am not opposed to to getting a faster pace going. And we still see all of these people in their home lives before wildfire. Admittedly, I have to laugh at the very first shot, which is the satellite crashing down over two making out teenagers. I gotta think if it passed that close, they'd be
0: killed in (laughs) the heat. Not to mention, it's just that shitty TV CGI that I just reminds me of those 90s syndicated shows I hated so much.
3: Oh, I can't wait till we talk about the birdemic. I mean, the birds in this film (laughs) yeah it's so unpleasant
0: again you would take it back to the video store and and go oh I meant to get the other one can you please get me the 1971 version because I didn't know I was renting this But we did complain. You're right, Arnie. The first movie was far from perfect, and one of the things we requested was can we differentiate the main characters more? Can we have more interplay with them, more personal drama, and just more personality to the four scientists of the original, now five here?
2: Well, if you want more personality, Benjamin Bratt is not who you go to. Listen, I find Benjamin Bratt to be a very affable person. He was one of the many replacements of investigators on Law & Order. And since then, he has shown up in a bunch of films. We've reviewed him in Catwoman and Doctor Strange. But the guy just lacks
0: flavor. He is like white rice. Yeah, he's a TV actor. Yeah, this actually should be the venue where he excels. He should have had his own procedural and might have. I don't know. Maybe it got canceled. But I feel like yes, TV science fiction is where he would excel because he just it's going to be as generic as he is. And yeah, we're four years beyond Catwoman, so they ain't inviting him to do movies no more. (laughs) Except they were. That's the weirdest thing. Yeah, Ridley Ridley Scott hired him for a second in American Gangster. But I mean, (laughs) not leading man stuff.
2: No, no. I don't know when last he was leading. But yeah, here as the leading man, I feel like they could have picked anybody else from the team and had a better lead. Because this guy is just affable, kind, smiling. He goes down very easy, which I guess is great when you're watching Law & Order, but not so good. You know, he'd never work on NYPD Blue, right? You gotta have strength and personality on that show. Law & Order, yeah, he's just going place to place and reading some dialogue. Here, he's a familiar face, but I'm not excited to see him.
0: I think he's kind of a Mac, right? Like, you hire him because... I mean, I think about him and Catwoman. Like, he was just... There was nothing that Halle Berry could do that would turn him off. Like, he was just like, you could leap around the court and do whatever you need to do, and I'm still going to take you home tonight. They'd give him this romantic drama. Now he has a wife that is, the marriage collapsed because she's mentally ill and not taking her meds, but he is sleeping with his students at Stanford. So (laughs) they have all of this kind of sexual energy and they did film a sex scene. This old flame that he meets up with is someone that they thought would actually have a physical relationship with as they are solving this medical mystery.
3: Yeah, this is a real monkey's paw. Like, hey, we wish there was more characterization from the original Andromeda straight. Well, how about we give Stone a mentally ill wife and a son that doesn't like him? And <laughs> yeah. it's really bad TV drama. Uh, that's not what I wish for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. We did.
0: We begged for more of this. And, and they just atomized it on. It's just spritzed on barely. It's not enough to actually be nutritious or feel like you're getting to know or like anyone here, but they have a storyline. Everyone here has a storyline. Probably the coolest one is Daniel Day Kim's Dr. Chow, who is a turncoat. You know, he used to work for the Chinese developing bioweapons until they broke out and killed a whole fishing village. And now he's being forced by the military, I believe, to work for the US.
2: Daniel Day Kim, first of all, he would go on to be in a CSI type show. He was on Hawaii Five O for quite some time. I think that still may be going on. I don't know. It's <laughs> eternal. <laughs> but at this point, I would have known him from Lost. I think that was his big breakout role, playing Jin on that show. He's really good on that show, too. I mean, just a really strong performer. When given good material,
0: Daniel Day Kim can rise to the occasion. The only thing I've seen him on recently is he's doing YouTube videos promoting hydrochloroquine. Like, apparently he got corona and got better because of that drug. So that's the last I saw of him. (laughs) Good to see he's still among us. But yeah, his character, again, to have someone that's nefarious, to maybe suspect what they might be doing, a dangerous element, that's a fun thing to play with on a team. A potential turncoat or betrayer. But they never go there with
2: him. They never even have a lot of interpersonal strife about him being untrustworthy.
0: Not really.
3: Well, and they set up this whole thing, like when they're picking him up and the lights give him a migraine. And I'm like, ah, I know what you're doing because I saw that original. Nope, they're going to have a seizure at the end. Like, it's weird. Like, I loved how Dr. Ruth was getting, like, hypnotized by the lights. Him, ah, he's just going to have a migraine at the end and a seizure, and, and that's why they set it up here. Like, it just, nothing pays off, really.
2: No, if I hadn't seen the first one, I would have probably not even really paid attention to his little headache. But when I saw the headache, I'm like, ah, he's the epileptic.
0: We do have a, before they were famous, I mean, Viola Davis is kind of a big get here. She would, of course, go on to get away with murder for several seasons on ABC and win Emmys, and she now holds an Oscar for Fences and, you know, would do the help. I primarily know her from Suicide Squad, but (laughs) yes. Oh, she was, yeah. Yeah, I I think of her as a high-caliber theatrical film actress At this point, she's kind of a nobody, and so it was fun to see her pop up here.
2: She is kind of a nobody in this movie, too. I liked her scene with her husband at the beginning, where she's like, if I call and say, how's your mother? Get away, take the kids, get out. Yeah, get out of the country. But then we don't really see her much again until she calls and asks about the mother. There's one phone sex call in between, just so that we can establish she is calling home for more than that.
0: Yeah, if this were on HBO or something, maybe they could actually do something with that yeah dirty talk stuff. But I guess A&E is not cable enough that it feels any more risky than primetime television.
3: Uh, they got a little bit of side boob in this and then those foamy tits. Did they?
0: Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, when they're
3: decontaminating. Like, I was kind of shocked. Like, they're going to the phone party with (laughs) with Angela Noyce.
0: Can I just say, having loved the five levels of the first film, like, the the fact that it is a shower on a conveyor belt is really disappointing.
3: This is a 30-second recap of all that. Yeah, it's so disappointing. No paper suits. No, but there is Krista Miller in what looks like a whipped cream
2: party, which is something I actually have fantasized about. With, with this specific actress or
3: just in general? This specific
2: actress, yes. Who is she? She is a comedic actress. She got her big break on a show I didn't really watch, Drew Carey. She was on that show for many years as kind of the girlfriend. I came to know her. She is married to Bill Lawrence, who is a TV creator. And he has made two of my all-time favorite sitcoms, Scrubs, and then following Scrubs, Cougartown, Town, which is a great show with a shitty name. I know people go, Cougartown. Town, oh my god, he watches that? No, it's a really fucking funny show. And she is on both of those, and she just plays a snarky woman without any traits. She's just bland snark, right? You can put her in any circumstance. She's a little bit mean, a little bit harsh, kind of pretty. But I was surprised she was in this. I'm like, that's a strange choice. Because at this point, she would have, and still today, she would be known as a sitcom actress.
0: Oh, so this is stretching.
2: Why would you bring a
0: sitcom actress in for the role of the surgeon here? (laughs) Yeah, the money. Again, they got people that were willing to do it for the money that they were paying. Now, Rick Schroeder, to me, will always be Silver Spoons, because I grew up in the 80s. That was the only thing I ever saw him on. But he did have, like, a whole phase on NYPD Blue where he was trying to be macho, and I guess this fits that profile. He would have been playing to the action crowd. He was really good on NYPD Blue, I'm going to say.
2: Okay. And I I wonder if he got Krista Miller this job, because he also did a
0: sprint on Scrubs the year before Andromeda Strain. And this time he's recast, he's one of the few characters that feels like a carryover from the first movie. He is the single white guy that they put on a pedestal because they have that policy of one man can only hold the self-destruct key. He is that guy. They've added an extra wrinkle because don't ask, don't tell, he's really gay. And gays in the military by this time, that hadn't been repealed yet. So controversy, kind of.
3: Yeah, I, I, I thought that was, a, I guess, a little bit subversive that, yeah, they're going to do this odd man out theory again, but yeah, okay, you're it's going to be someone that's gay making the decision, and 2008, uh, yeah, still maybe a little bit of controversy there.
0: Three years before you could uh, say you were gay in the military.
3: Okay. I just got to wonder, they changed this character's name, right? Bill Keen you guys know who Bill Keen is? He's the creator of Family Circus, that awful yes. cartoon. <laughs> that's all I thought about every time I saw him. <laughs> that is true.
2: Really, though, by making him gay, what they're doing is something very similar to Lost, is let's bring in a diverse group. We've got all different ethnicities, and for the white guy, let's make him gay, let's just have everybody represented here.
3: Oh, no, this this does feel like it's made for maximum ratings. Like our president, he's going to talk just like JFK because everyone loves JFK. And we're going to have some stuff about faith at the end because we got to get that religious demographic. Yeah, this is made to try to get as many Nielsen ratings as possible.
0: You went with JFK? Like it's a southern accent in my mind.
3: Oh, uh, to me, it sounded like he was trying to do a Boston JFK thing.
2: Oh, no, no, no. He was doing
0: a Bill Clinton impersonation. I thought that too, and then I listened to the commentary, Arnie, and they actually said they were going with John Edwards. Remember him? No. What?
3: Why would you go with John? Was this before the controversy?
0: Yeah, no, they thought he was going to be the next president, so they're like, let's just write him as the next president, And, you know, that's when this movie was in development. It was 2006, 2007. So, yeah, they didn't know that he was going to cheat on his what terminally ill wife with the documentary filmmaker.
3: Yeah. And pay an intern to claim it's his baby. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So that all went south. That's funny. But yes, I got a, a little bit, certainly with the faith talk as well, it felt a little bit like a George Bush as well. It's kind of a mashup of all three of those characters. And there's a lot more political intrigue. That's something that was not in the book or, you know, I wouldn't call it intrigue. There were some people from Washington, D.C. that would write a report and you would read a little bit. But certainly in the movie, we never got any of this conspiratorial stuff about the fact that they've got to keep all of these people down in the lab while they do their double crosses and keep the media iced out.
3: Yeah, this movie might be two hours and 40 minutes, but I think it took like four hours to watch because I had to pause it because there are so many title cards. Like, here's this person in the government and here's this person. It ultimately doesn't matter, but like it throws a lot of names and titles out there.
2: The thing that I think added the most length to this movie and were this theatrical i'd cut every frame of him is will and grace's eric mccormick as
0: reporter jack nash now uh-uh, he's their star canadian they gotta have
3: him arnie i'm right there with you i'm like that, that story goes nowhere <laughs>
0: It
2: adds nothing, it does nothing, it impacts nothing.
0: Well, what they're trying to get at, I agree with you, by the way. I'll just, let me get to that point first. (laughs) But what they're trying to do is to create a, a dynamic in which he is the antagonist for the president. The president has lots of reasons to sweep all of this stuff in Piedmont under the rug. And there's a guy that has caused problems with him in the past. They keep mentioning something happening in Houston. I feel like it's... They never tell us, right? I think it's like a Katrina... Collecting. Like thing it's this thing that is a stain on this president's reputation a biological event that happened before we saw a couple photos at some point someone texts a couple photos in a smartphone which would have been right off the shelf brand new at this point they thought they were doing something really cool with that but yes this character is someone that will expose that piedmont is not just a, a routine perimeter check but in fact a biological outbreak but yes, do we need all of this about hitmen dressed as highway patrolmen killing informants and tailing him while he does lines of coke and deciding whether he wants to go back to rehab or not? No, I do not need this at all.
2: The thing is, he doesn't uncover anything. He creates heat for the government, but he never is a source of information. All the information comes from people around this President Scott and giving him all the information. And it's just Jack Nash is about to find out about our secret underground base. Well, you just told the audience about the secret underground base. Jack Nash didn't do jack shit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. The only thing that I can say he facilitates is he already has a history with Benjamin Bratt's Dr. Stone. And so he eventually gets word to him that, do you know you're working for people that run Project Scoop and have this whole biological weapons thing in space? I don't know why they wouldn't know that since they're investigating a satellite that fell, but...
3: Yeah, the whole way that conversation comes about infuriated me because Andromeda Strain, science procedure, you have all these rules and regulations... Benjamin Bratt calls a security guard. Hey, can you give me an outside line? Can I talk through your cell phone to call this Nash guy? (laughs) Not even
0: a cell phone. Can I borrow your new BlackBerry? I had to laugh. (laughs)
3: That's right.
0: (laughs) But Project Scoop is not a Baskin-Robbins special. It is... What we've kind of already known, I mean, some of this is catch up for newbies, but we are all kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They go to the town again, and the only thing that's different here is there's there seems to be more devastation. There is a self-beheading by chainsaw that happened in a general store, and there's a body that burned up. And we'll eventually get the, the story from the old drunk that these people went insane and killed themselves because of Andromeda. But it's still the same old old man that drinks squeeze and baby that cries too much and a white dog that gets away without being taken back to the lab.
2: But it should be the old man who drinks squeeze and it should be the baby because it's been 37 years since the original Andromeda Strain movie and even longer since the book. What I'm looking for is a good Adaptation of that story and modernize it, but make it for the audience who hasn't seen it. We are like, Yeah, 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 let's talk about the Sterno, but this should work for an audience who's like, Andromeda Strain, I've heard of that. Let me watch this new version with all these TV stars I watch every week.
3: And yet, this colicky baby and the Sterno is such a big mystery. Why do they stay alive in that last film? Here, I think it pretty much gets dropped. Like there's so little, they're afraid of retreading stuff that it's already played out in that previous film, the original one, that I feel like, nah, we got to give lip service to it, but we're just going to skim over it real quick.
0: The way I take it is that that's just one storyline. We can't devote all the movie to one storyline. We need to have 20 going on. And so, yeah, we're just constantly cutting back and forth. And it feels like 24, right? It feels like that kind of like, let's make it exciting, jump around, and, and you just, you always have movement and consequently, you can never understand the science because they will never stop to really explain what they're investigating, what the experiment will do to help in that investigation, and what they learn after that experiment is done. We do see some monkeys and rats die, but again, I don't get the same sense of being invited into the lab to deduce what's going on that I did with the first movie.
3: No, I was so into like, oh, we're going to take this telescope and, and magnify the satellite and oh, look it, we found something like this one they just take oh yeah there it is like there's no research and discovery here just everything is served on a platter to you
2: it is and i did like the first movie for that reason. I didn't understand everything they were talking about, but a lot of times they would go slow enough, like when they're opening the air vents to see how big is this organism before the mouse dies and all of that. Yeah. I liked all that stuff. Yeah. It didn't feel expository, but yet there was enough there that I was able to feel like I was sitting in. I was auditing a science class or something here. If I hadn't watched that first Andromeda strain, I think a lot of the science would have just been completely lost on me. The first movie Mm -hmm. explained it. This movie is going to
0: jibber jabber at me. There's a lot of talk in this movie. No, it wants to talk about wormholes. Well, we can talk about the science that they get to that is new. That's one. But like, I think what they really want to do is just have exciting scenes. Like they got everything out of Piedmont and they're gassing the birds. They think they're done. For some reason, the poison gas is not killing the dog.
3: I was wondering that they dropped this chlorine gas to kill the birds for reasons, but it doesn't kill the puppy, the, yes. the baby and stuff, the live stuff down in the city. Agreed.
0: I All of that is, I'm just going to move on from that and just say, so we have it, the virus mutating and and we're we're seeing it jump from animal animal which it does again we just talked about the wet markets and mutation and how that goes i don't think it works this fast but
3: you must have forgotten this andromeda strain talks to itself and like yes teaches itself what to do
0: Yes. Again, that was the sci-fi channel idea. This was a sentient alien. They will even give some lip service to that eventually. Messenger theory is the idea that it talks to different parts of itself because crystals have energy fields or something. So basically, we see a chain of animals building up to a bird attack. And Nash is there to watch as these National Guardsmen.
3: Straight out of Birdemic. This is awful.
0: Yeah, It's terrible, right? It's just like time to turn this off. Like if you had any idea as a fan of the book that it was going to write the nosedive that it seemed to be in, like this is the moment when the birds come down. and, and or <laughs> It doesn't even attack them. That's later. It drops a mouse on someone's foot, and the next thing you know, they're shooting everyone and driving into tents.
2: That was rather amusing to me, is that just the virus from the dead body could keep going. But yet, the eagle was perfectly fine. It was dropped by an eagle symbolism <laughs> there.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I missed that. Good job, Artie yeah I yeah write a paper about the uh America's corrupt influence Stuart um,
3: this movie is smarter than you give it credit for it
0: sure is too smart for me again I would bow out after night one like uh, once we're getting to the climax here which is basically I mentioned before they include the sheriff that is 40 miles away outside the perimeter and so it's meaningful that somehow he's gotten infected no one's I I don't see any animal come up and bite him in the ass that somebody else in this movie, but he is infected and walks into this diner, shoots everyone from the book,
3: except the woman, because we don't want to do that. We might get the old grannies to turn it off. If you go that violent. Right.
0: So this forces the president's hand. What he wouldn't do in the last movie, he's going to do in this one. We're going to drop the nuke. And so we have the race. Don't drop the nuke. The radiation makes it grow, blah, blah, blah. But the bomb is still going to go off. The night one cliffhanger is the fact that we have this female jet fighter whose whole plane breaks apart and man. The people in the commentary, they were like, this was the one effect we didn't know how it was going to turn out. I'm like, "I obviously, because if you knew it was going to look like <laughs> that, you would have written some other scene to show this.
2: All right. Uh, let me play devil's advocate. First of all. I watched this on the DVD release, and they did a very good job of hiding the commercial breaks from me, except they couldn't hide this, where the airplane is going down at the end of night one, it had to fade to black, and then we resume, (laughs) and that airplane's still going down. That was a foible that I feel should have been planned for when they did this series. But the plane... Yeah, it looks bad when it crashes, and the nuke, yeah, it doesn't look great. Her
0: visor, just those pixels that are flying off her face that's supposed to be her visor like being eaten away, and it's just, I mean, Lawnmower Man is laughing. It's just terrible. No, no, no. It's
2: TV 15 years
0: ago CGI,
2: but I actually really like the shot after the nuke goes off and the camera just stays there, and then like the wind from the explosion blows over the land. I thought that was actually pretty cool.
0: I think this this again, I wouldn't be back for night two. This told me in this moment, really bad, cheap, not capturing anything that I liked about the book or the previous movie, it's fine to do something different, but what they're doing is grinding it into a mill and spoon-feeding it to a CSI procedural audience. Yeah,
3: and again, when we talked about how we wanted more drama with these scientists, like, all that has gone away. Like, Benjamin Bratt's crazy wife and son that won't talk to him, like, they'll show up at the end of this film, but, like, none of that drama, except for Viola Davis's character, I think, really plays out in this film. So you don't even really get that.
2: Oh, we get a little bit of romance between Benjamin Bratt and Krista Miller where he's like, You know, I went off and I married her, but I maybe
3: should have married you. Well, he's divorced or separated. They can still hook up. And they do.
0: Yeah, that's the bizarre part is that the marriage collapsed anyway, so why didn't he go with her? Again, if I cared about these as characters and wanted to know their storyline and see them get together, that would pass as intrigue. But here, you wonder why they bothered. I mean, again, Michael Crichton doesn't write characters. He's all about what's happening with the science. The virus is the star in his book and in that first movie. If you're going to make the characters the star, then I really think that you have to write it where these interpersonal dramas are meaningful. But you
2: need to have the interpersonal dramas also somehow relate to the story. And I think that's why they brought up this government conspiracy and have Viola Davis have her husband trying to escape the country in case that could help and he's kidnapped by the government to blackmail
3: her. Which happens late into night, too. And it just, again, it feels out of nowhere. Like, the last time we saw her talking to her husband, she was, like, probably masturbating and having some phone sex. And now there's a whole blackmail conspiracy going on. And- yeah,
0: you're at the climax. Let's we Unfortunately, we have
3: a whole hour
0: before this. Let's just talk about the science that is new. We know the plot. We've talked about how they figure out that this virus clots blood and is mutated and is now eating plastic as well as making people have brain hemorrhages that make them crazy. Wormholes is new, right? Like, that's something I don't remember ever hearing anything about. I don't know that Earth would survive having one in our solar system, but I'm not a theoretical physicist. Right. But what we get here eventually is the idea... I mean, Adrian Brower has to be the one to, like, straight face, like, there was a singularity... And basically, we're to believe that future human beings sent this virus back.
3: Yeah, because there's nanotech melded onto the satellite. Like, the Dramatistrain was in some kind of nanotechnology, and it just crashed into the satellite as it came through the wormhole. All right, let's think about this. We got a
0: virus. The ingredient we need to kill it doesn't exist now. We need to send it back in time to when we have that virus. Thank God it wasn't whale song. I've seen this movie before. (laughs) But we don't send a note saying, hey, everybody, go get this virus. We send red and green particulate that turns into a binary code that they got to spend time deciphering because that makes sense.
2: I'm glad to know ASCII still exists however many centuries in the future.
0: (laughs) Why, seriously, why not write a note and say, please help and get the bacteria? Like, (laughs) no time for codes and riddles. You need to be clear, this is a very deadly virus, and you guys need to get this one thing from the seafloor.
3: I don't understand this, so they're supposed to just save that? Why would you send the virus back instead of just a message? Because... I I don't understand this. This this doesn't make any sense to me. Why they send it back in time to when they could destroy it, but they still have that strain in the future? If it's an alien, like, uh, my brain's breaking.
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. First of all, the paradox becomes who created the virus, right? Because if the virus came from the future into the past, but then we took that virus in the past and that's how they got it in the future, that's our time travel paradox that you know what, if this movie was Back to the Future good, I'd love to have that conversation. (laughs) If this was Terminator, that's a fun, stoner conversation. If it's this piece of shit, I don't care to give it that much thought.
3: Yeah, here's the thing, like, Let's say some bacterium that has gone extinct existed in 1840 that could destroy the coronavirus. So we somehow send the virus back in time and hope the scientists figure it out and then somehow save that bacteria. So when it does break out in the future, we still have it. Uh, I, I don't know. But
2: the other thing is, imagine like we were sitting around and we are scientists and we're like, the only way to save humanity is if we send this back to the time when the Bacillus
3: Satanus, the... (laughs) Infernus, I think, yeah, Yeah. the hell bacterium. You're thinking of the Satan bug now, but it's okay. (laughs) I mean, this is the Satan bacteria that will kill it. Yes,
0: bacterium from hell is what it translates from the Latin.
2: And so we'll send it back to then. If somebody suggested that, I would at least raise my hand and be like, What if they don't figure it out and it just kills all of our
0: ancestors? (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) Which means there's no future, so they can't send it back in the first place.
0: (laughs) I guess you would feel like you need to make like this is not a prank phone call. Like we have to send the virus because if we just send the note saying, please set aside some bacterium for us in the 23rd century, no one may actually think it's legit. So we have to (laughs) threaten their lives by actually sending Andromeda back with that coded note to do that.
3: And in the future, they don't have this hell bacterium because we did drilling in the oceans and destroyed it all. Is that what they're trying to tell us? To me,
2: this came off as an anti-fracking message. If we frack, we're going to kill the Earth.
3: Yeah, which I was fracking going on in 2008. Oh yeah,
0: it may be fracking, but I mean the company is actually mentioned as Inbertel, which Enron was definitely a thing.
3: Okay, it was an energy
0: company that was. Yeah,
3: yeah. If you lived in California, you know them. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. They were headline news. President Bush was. Enmeshed in that company. And so they've kind of taken that storyline and now said this president's got business interest and in seeing the ocean depth mined for energy and it's going to kill this bacterium from hell.
3: But like at one point there's cutaway to a new story, I think about terrorists like taking over a drilling unit or something. I'm like, oh, is this like 12 monkeys? The terrorists are going to release the virus because they're like extreme environmentalists. But no, that never comes back either. I feel
0: like they wanted to. I feel like they wanted to have a scene where, like, we got to send Ricky Schroeder to the drilling platform and have him punch out a bunch of people, dive down into the water, and get the bacterium. Like, we need this bacterium, so let's have the action guy go do that. But then they look at the budget and go, or we could just get it from UCLA and, like, have one scene of a cutaway. (laughs) It's kind of a grift from the abyss. I mentioned this director was the cinematographer on the abyss, but it kind of feels like the kind of environmental warning message that the creatures in the actual ocean crevice you know the unused ending as it were where they threaten the mankind with the tidal waves and all of that the, the idea that if we aren't better stewards of the environment we're going to lose the very species that could protect us in the future or Star Trek
3: 4 much superior to this film
0: <laughs> yeah again like if they were just sending back something to like collect the whale, collect the bacterium and send it back to us in the wormhole like a old time bank deposit that would be understandable but this is a whole bunch of bullshit
2: and on night two there's so much theoretical talk that when they're not talking at first i thought it was aliens you know i felt like that guy with the big hair was going to come in i don't want to say it's aliens but it's aliens (laughs) i was i was actually more interested when this was going to be an alien invasion movie versus a future human
0: movie Well, here's the thing. It is an alien. I mean, the virus itself, again, we don't know where it came from, but the virus must come from aliens, right? It has to because it has too many properties that are nothing like anything. It's not carbon based life form.
3: They talk about this messenger theory because with that airplane pilot, that atom bomb went off is supposed to be deactivated. And they're like, oh, shit, the virus talked to itself and like turned it back on like it flipped the on switch. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is ridiculous. It is kind of funny. The
2: fact that the virus communicates with itself long distance.
3: Like Benjamin Pratt's like, we got to get all the virus out of here because it's going to overhear our plans to destroy it. (laughs) Don't
0: tell anyone. We got to whisper because it's in the next
3: room. Yeah.
0: But you know what? At the same time, that is an idea that is kind of cool. Like I could see it working, not as it's being done by this movie, but I actually could go with a sentient virus. I actually feel like that wasn't a dumb idea, but this is a dumb movie. This is a dumb dramatization of a decent idea.
2: The thing is, we've covered a lot of virus movies. And the thing about viruses is they're communicable and unstoppable and indifferent to who they attack and why. The fact that the virus is communicating at a level, what, like dolphins, I guess? I mean, I'm trying to figure out the intelligence level of this bacteria where basically they're the boar.
0: They're like tiny Borg. I believe what is said is crystals have energy fields. So that must be, since it has a crystalline structure, that must be producing an energy field that talks to the other crystals miles and miles away. That is the one line of dialogue I picked up to speak to how the virus is working and mutating. And again, once it gets the message, then it usually mutates into another animal and suddenly there's a bird attack. And Arnie, you've been kind to these special effects, (laughs) but tell me you're not unsatisfied when that bird's come down and the guy falls in the water and suddenly the virus is just red blood or something, like sweeping (laughs) the fields and the water terrible
2: oh that this is awful listen i was kind to the post nuclear strike desolation and that was more the concept than the execution but i thought it was cool but yeah this is cheap it is terribly cheap if you're coming to this and you want to be wowed by special effects turn it off immediately
0: Even when you're forgiving, and I think you come to any TV movie understanding, okay, it's not going to look like a theatrical film, unless it's on HBO. I do feel like this is subpar. You would do better not seeing the virus than have these sweeping plane shots and trying to do a big budget. It feels like Outbreak.
3: Everything's turning red. It's just taking me back to War of the Worlds with whatever that red goo was that the aliens spit out everywhere.
0: Right. And, and, you know, the president, this is deserves like a chapter and he's just not that into you. Like the president is told (laughs) it's coming towards L.A. Your wife is there defending your investment in the energy company. Do you want to get her out there? Nah. Not really. I mean, it seems unfair just to get her. We'll leave her. I'm like, damn. Okay.
2: Yeah, I can't imagine anybody doing that. I mean, I couldn't decide if they were trying to tell us he was a good president for doing that or a bad president for doing that. I
0: think the thought was he was being fair and so we should like him, but it didn't smell that way to me. I don't know.
3: No. I do love when we just take some time to hang out with some stoners in the desert, (laughs) which one of them is going to be a big deal in Saving Nash. Best scene in the
0: movie. Yeah, yes. you say Nash is worthless, but it gives us this hilariously stupid charades in the desert smoking pot scene in which two characters are just trying to guess which caveman movie it is. It turned, ends up being 300, which is not a caveman movie. But
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was so He goes weird. to take a
0: shit. Is this a thing? Do I need to, like, next time I go hiking, protect my ass from mouse bites? Because I never heard of this.
3: Yeah, I would think a snake bite, but yeah, it's like a prairie dog that pops out of its hole and bites him.
2: I was so happy it didn't crawl up him, though. I thought that's where it was going.
3: Did he think it was Richard Gere? (laughs) I know. Well, the way it plays, though, he like jumps up. I'm like, did it go up his ass? (laughs) And he never wiped,
2: by the way, which
3: is awful. I don't think he had time to shit. I mean, that prairie dog didn't have shit on its head. Yeah.
0: But all of a sudden, like, he's, of course, coming back. And
3: she's like, okay, what zombie movie are you doing? This
0: is straight up comedy now. Now she's trying to guess 28 Days Later, what zombie movie? At any rate, I think the dramatic arc of this is she's such a stoner because our character, Nash, the intrepid reporter, they've been trying to kill him this whole time. They've tried to blow up his chopper, and now they're sending death squads to shoot him down. And he's going to resist that breakfast (laughs) toke. You know, like he's tried to give up pot and cocaine and all of this
3: during this epidemic. Yeah, they're they're equal, pot and cocaine in two thousand eight. I guess they were.
0: <laughs> so the whole point is he's got to stay clean and sober in order to do his job well. And so he resists her drugs and gets cell signal and is able to tell his producer. I don't know, it's bad. As if the producer wouldn't know with giant red clouds sweeping the planes and heading towards L.A. I mean, this thing is going for <laughs> hours and hours. So I imagine there are millions dead.
3: Yeah, I don't even know how future was Uses were able to, like, develop a nanotech satellite to send back in time with how fast this virus spreads and kills everything.
0: But it mutated. Keep in mind, the way they sent it back is not the way it is now. It had to learn how to travel on the wind, which is apparently what it's doing now. It's not just birds, but I think it's—again, it's just red particulate video toaster effect. So it gets stopped because Andre Brower gets a fire hose, sucks up all this bacteria from the lab— I think they got it from UCLA or something like that, Linus said. And then they just fly some choppers into the clouds of red and crop dust it, and I would think that that would make the choppers fall apart. I think it would kill them before they would be able to gas any of the virus, but...
3: Yeah, shouldn't the virus, like, back behind that's getting destroyed by Infernus? It could talk to the stuff up ahead and right. hey, mutate, guys! Right. This this Infernus is killing us. Time to mutate!
0: I don't understand. Again, it's, it's defying its own stupid logic now. Like, it's just falling apart. And you mentioned Andre Brower. He's actually
2: my favorite actor in this. I mean, he's doing what andre brower does if you want to see him do this exact same performance around funny people watch brooklyn 99 it's been my covid isolation sitcom binge and he's doing the
0: exact same character here only this is trying to play it straight right well again uh, but probably just as funny as any comedy at this point i just uh, again would you have stayed with it i mean would anyone in the tv audience this was nominated for an emmy i mean i just can't get over that
3: yeah that that is shocking it
0: really is (laughs) but eventually they got to get back to the lab the lab is what matters and they are going to do that stupid thing that we laughed at them for doing last time with the self-destruct
3: it's even more hilarious. Like, first of all, how does it get out? So Viola Davis, she gets blackmailed. Hey, you got to get a sample of that out for us. And that somehow contaminates the whole lab? I guess that it's the sample... Found out what they were doing. I don't know. I'm not. E- oh, it was listening in on the call, of course. I, I
0: think it might have been listening in. For whatever reason, it decided it could melt the vial. And then, like, yeah, one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is like the Drew Carey chick is like watching through the window saying, Do you have any symptoms? And Viola Davis's suit is melting into yes. ass. <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, I think this is abnormal, maybe. The fact that I'm naked and screaming as my flesh burns out makes me think that maybe. Maybe I'm contracting it. Yeah, maybe. But
3: she's fine. She's not getting it. It's just because she's hyperventilating, which that was a huge deal in the original. But they explained all the science here. It's just like, okay, I guess if you breathe funny, it won't hurt you.
2: Whatever happened to the old man and the baby?
0: Yeah, they, they would only do one night, I guess. They were like, we're out of here. We're done with this. Again, that storyline got lost in the shuffle because that just wasn't good enough in 2008. We couldn't just focus on a medical mystery as to why those two survived. I think the doctor had a dream where she saw them eating grapefruit and said, Aha! Blood acidic levels. And that was the last time we saw them. I did like that dream. Uh, Having been a person who's
2: gone to sleep with a problem on my mind and actually dreamt computer code and woken up like at 2 a.m. and been like I just dreamed my fix and it did I liked that
3: concept do you like the execution though
0: no 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 (laughs) I mean I don't know why she would be dreaming of people she never met eating grapefruit I don't understand that
3: well that's the thing is she's
2: putting together something in her subconscious Uh uh-huh it's amazing probably wrote
3: the script So Andromeda gets out in the lab. It's going to go into nuclear meltdown, which I guess they have to stop because they still have Infernus in there that they want to save. That's why they have to save the lab all of a sudden.
2: But they also have Andromeda in there, right? I mean, because the vial was saved.
0: Yes, we can go with that route. If it gets the radiation, it could multiply and maybe mutate and become a new problem. It's going to get a call from the other Andromeda
2: that says, hey, mutate again, because we got this Satan bacteria that's killing us.
0: Yeah, and but also I just think, yeah, you don't want to die. You know, like you're down here too
3: and you don't want to. But if there's an outbreak again, the whole point is you got to stop that. Yeah.
0: Well, anyway, we get another exciting climb up the cylinder in the middle
3: with an added twist of cutting off Ricky Schroeder's thumb. (laughs) This is hilarious. Yeah, Ricky Schroeder falls down. Is that like nuclear waste down there? This is
2: a water-cooled nuclear reactor that powers the station as somebody goes, oh, when could I go swimming? And they talk about the rads in the water and how it will kill you. I'm like, oh, that's going to be important.
3: <laughs> but they need Ricky's thumb to stop the nuclear explosion. He falls and dies. So Daniel Day Kim jumps in the water, cuts his thumb off as he's dying, throws it up to <laughs> <Brenton and> Brad. <laughs> how like, many miles
0: did he throw it up? It was amazing. What a, He should have been on a baseball team. This is crazy. Oh, give me those lasers, please. <laughs> But now Benjamin Bratt is blind for some reason, yes. and he needs the Drew Carey actress to, like, walk him through climbing through ductwork. It really was a comedy
3: of errors, because
2: a steam pipe erupts in Benjamin Bratt's face, so now he can't see. For only a couple minutes, though. Yeah,
3: I feel like I'm playing Top Gun on Nintendo again. Go up, go down, go left, <laughs> speed up, go right. I wish
2: I was playing Top Gun on Nintendo instead of watching this miniseries.
3: Yeah,
0: it's an awful sequence and it is longer. It's one of the rare examples where the new movie is drawing this thing out way longer than the original movie did. I guess because it's an exciting chase scene.
2: But at least, you know what? I'm going to say this. It's going to be a stretch. It does it better than the original because there's no stupid freaking lasers firing for whatever reason. There's a
3: thumb cut off. And that, the, the, no, I give me the laser.
0: I raise you your laser and give you a, a severed thumb yeah, that he has to put in his pocket and then blindly climb through ductwork until he falls through the lights. Yeah, that's just, no, this is, yeah, Mr. Magoo funny and they do it. They manage to stop at 007. Yeah. Yes, that was a Bond reference. The director was proud to stop the countdown on 007 and they've saved the day or have they right? We, we see Andre Brower and his assassin guy debating about what they should do and getting whacked. Again, I'm confused. I thought Nash blew the lid on this, but now the president is acting like I'm not going to tell you guys anything about what really happened. I'm like, don't they not know? Yeah, I think they know everything and they're on camera with Nash.
2: I'm thinking that they're going to be whacked too. But by the time they get to them, I mean, they're at the funeral of Ricky Schroeder, right? And uh, Daniel Kim. Okay, it is his dual funeral.
3: Yeah, there's two caskets there.
2: Okay, so they're at this dual funeral, and Nash, Eric McCormick, the worst of all the performers, I'm going to say.
0: That's a tough call.
2: Is there, with his camera crew... To immediately interview them at the gravesite about time
0: travel and conspiracies. That's the way you do it, right? And like the <laughs> wife at home is watching and the son's like, yeah, go dad, you're a hero.
3: Yeah, my dad's not so bad now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess. It was the era of reality TV that probably was aired on A&E, you know, like they probably did air funerals. And Like that's, that was their programming.
2: But then the final shot, and I honestly did think... That they were setting this up for a sequel because we end with Krista Miller and Benjamin Bratt, and they're like, "Well, they know we got their message. What's next?" And then we see the space station with Andromeda, and in that binary code was seven three nine five two eight. Everybody's like, "What? What? What is that number?" It's the safety deposit box in the space station where they
3: put Andromeda. <laughs> down. And somehow, was that triangle logo in the binary code as well? Like, they find some kind of logo. So confusing. Ricky
0: Schroeder insists that he looked at that number and it turned into this, yeah, symbol. it looks like conjoined triangles with thorns in the center. Like, it, somehow he saw a picture, and wouldn't you know it, that's the picture that's on the vial of Andromeda. Arnie, you're not wrong. The producers fully admit on the commentary, we were hoping this would get picked up. We thought we maybe had the pilot to a TV series.
3: It definitely feels like they wanted a show to come after this.
0: Well, something did. We'll talk about it. But I think let's state the obvious.
2: Jacob Stewart, how strongly don't you recommend the remake of The Andromeda Strain?
3: (laughs) Jacob I mean, look, if you like the 20 different kinds of CSIs and and those kind of things, you you might like this. I don't know. Those aren't my shows. I I don't enjoy them. I don't watch them. And because this, yeah, it's going for that pop science where we're going to throw out things like wormholes, but never really treat science seriously. It's just all phrases to seem hip or whatever. It's just not my thing. This so many plot lines going on. This feels so directionless. Like, yeah, that drama strain is spreading and I am running from it. I don't want it to be poisoned me. I don't want prairie dogs infected with it to bite my ass. I want to get away from this thing. Don't get close to it. It's, It's bad. Uh, Yeah, the original one, yeah, maybe it's a little boring. It's so dry and scientific, but that one fascinated me so much more than this. This one, it's a shock what happens when you go to TV. Even in 2008, I thought we were getting better with our TV, but emmy emmy nominated wow uh something's wrong with the the uh voters there Uh, strong not recommend
2: and this was 10
3: years after sopranos i mean sopranos came out in 98 yeah that's what i'm saying you had prestige television like breaking bad i think was just about to start or had just started like there was good stuff
0: oh absolutely tv was in its golden age eight years into it by this point stewart Look, I understand this much. You don't want to do the same thing. No one is going to tune in and watch Four Moles with PhDs, euthanize a bunch of monkeys in a bunker. That's not entertainment. You would have to do it as a reality show. Like, if you actually got scientists in a real-world kind of scenario, like MTV, and, and they were down in wildfire trying to solve a medical mystery, maybe that's a good reality show. But it wouldn't make a good sci-fi miniseries. You have to jazz it up with action, but this is, you know, it's it's a rat biting you on the ass and something popping out. It's in every way lesser than what they did in the book and in the first movie. It may be the worst. Eh, I don't know. Outbreak and Satan bug are hard to top, but it's close to being the worst thing that we've covered in this viral outbreak. And it's kind of sad because again, we are in the era of good TV. We are in the era of good viral outbreak movies, but I think they were all about zombies at this point. I think we were just on the zombie virus kick and if it didn't have a zombie in it, it looked like this and was on A&E network. So I don't know. TV movies are kind of a plague anyway to good books and Movies, I think that it's, we always kind of come to these problems when we find the TV remake. This is just another one to avoid, uh, not recommend. There's a hundred of these for every Shogun, but there is a good Shogun. You, you know,
2: there's sometime.
0: I've never seen Shogun. You, I, I mean, maybe, but again, I, I, now I wonder if Shogun's any good. Thornburns, is that, <laughs> was that really good or did they just have nothing else on? I don't know.
2: I remember liking Noble House. Okay. But... Yeah, I don't remember liking the remake of Andromeda Strain. I went in thinking, all right, I knew there were some bad signs. I knew that Benjamin Bratt was the star. I didn't <laughs> realize Krista Miller was the co-star. That, that would have been two big warning sirens. And not that I dislike either of them. I really like Krista Miller in The Right Vehicle. She was great in Cougar Town. But she cast here is the equivalent of casting Denise Richards as the scientist in The World Is Not Enough, the 007 movie.
0: I mean, she's bad. She's really, I think she actually, acting-wise, she's the worst thing here. The least convincing. She doesn't carry herself like any of the other
2: people. The other people are all able to seem like they're competent scientists, even though during some of the science scenes, I strongly suspect... All of them pulled a Brando and had their science words on note cards hidden around the set. Because they never made eye contact (laughs) with each other. They're all looking at different points on the set. I think they're all hiding their buzzwords that they have to spout off. But there could be a TV movie that improved on the original 70s Andromeda Strain. That thing is so dry and it had some cool things going on, but it just kept getting worse as it went. You could make a better TV version. Yeah, I'm sure, and it wouldn't star Benjamin Bratt. Uh, you keep going to Benjamin. He's not the pinata here. He's not the problem. It was the writing. No, no. I'm. He's not a problem ever. He's an indicator. Mm-hmm. He's not the tornado. Yeah. <laughs> he's the weather pattern that you know will cause the tornado.
0: You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I do. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, I have that same feeling about Whoopi Goldberg in most movies. Uh, yeah. He's not a problem in this, but
2: just seeing him as, as the face of this told me what I was in for. And unfortunately it even went below my low expectations. I really wouldn't have finished night one of this, let alone gone into night two. It's too hectic. And then the fact that I sat through it all and realized how pointless so many of the plot strands were, the old man, the baby, anything with Eric McCormick, all of it, when I was sitting down thinking about it, was like, cut it all. You could have made this a one-night event.
3: And... Yeah, 10 minutes long.
2: Cut... An
3: hour out of this,
2: you know, and make it a two hour TV movie. And you might have had something there that's better. But as it is, it's long, boring, banal, not interesting to look at. Don't forget confusing. The word confusing. I'm going to say this is the worst thing Tony
3: Scott has put his name on. Oof. Uh, yeah, this is below Tony Scott's standards. I, I know you like him more than Ridley. Like, that's the division here. But man, I, I'm begging for a Top Gun after this thing. I gotta ask though, Emmy nominated, how did it not get that TV show then?
0: Yeah, well, Andromeda Strain did come back. I'm glad to tell you that this incarnation died. I think it had something to do with budgets and actors not available. And I'm as glad to hear it as you are to say it. (laughs) But 10 years after this, and 10 years after Michael Crichton dying, we get a sequel novel, The Andromeda Evolution, which I had to read, right? I have to know what's... What's going to happen after the Andromeda strain? It is written by Daniel Wilson, who got some acclaim writing RoboPocalypse. I don't know the book, but I guess it was a bestseller. Sounds like a sci-fi TV movie to me. Yeah, Spielberg optioned it. Actually, he oh, wow. talked about making it for years, so it, he we may get there eventually. But he decided that he could step in and pick up 60 years later another outbreak, this time in the Amazon. And not really a vi- it's not really a virus story. I think that is the interesting take on this. The virus mutates into a giant black castle that just kind of pops out of the trees, what? and so they have to send a bunch of teams to go in and see what the hell's going on in the virus house. Which, of course, it's like one big cell. It's like. It's almost like Fantastic Voyage. If you remember that movie about people going into the body, it has that quality. They're going into the virus and crawling around inside the virus. It's better than maybe I'm pitching it as. It was okay-ish. I think the big surprise is we find out two things. One, we find out what the Andromeda strain was always meant to do, and it is meant to melt... Anything that gets up into space. The reason why jet planes fall apart and it mutates to, you know, take down polymers and and industrial equipment is the aliens that released it never wanted... Creatures on different planets to intermingle. And so in order to ensure that, it spread Andromeda Strain over everything. And they actually find the virus on the moon, on other planets. They've known, it's a big conspiracy in NASA, that Andromeda Strain was an attempt by an unseen alien to keep us all earthbound. And so the other twist of this is we also have the baby all grown up from Piedmont. The crying child that saved itself from dying of it. Because he's immune, he's brought into the team, and you find out, I'll, I'll stop from spoiling the big surprise, you find out someone on the team is actually in on using the virus in a new, deadly kind of way. So it was a quick read. I didn't mind it. I kind of feel like if I were a studio executive, I would have said, thank you very much, paid you for your draft, and then said, what else you got? Because this is not the sequel I would make. I don't think that they're actually going to make this into a film. Kind of has the quality of a 2010 to it but uh who knows they made that (laughs) yeah they did make it but I feel like without Michael Crichton actually having his name on it it feels kind of fan fiction I feel like in the end again when it goes weird up into space I really don't see them doing that but it would be surprising if they didn't try again I do feel like this is a prestige title and yeah a gold standard of the medical thriller, science thriller, techno thriller. Somebody is going to take a new take on that. We will see in some way fashion or form andromeda strain come back in the next decade i think with all this interest i think all of this interest in covid it seems inevitable that someone is going to want to tell a virus movie but that's not what we're covering next week when we get to the 2010s we're finally getting to the movie that i really wanted to talk about most
2: you mean the one that i said at the beginning let's just review contagion and outbreak <laughs>
0: Well, then what have we done for the other six weeks? And people wanted to hear about Outbreak, too. And again, I've enjoyed some of these films. Panic in the Streets was a pretty good little film. But yes, Contagion is a great film. I put it in the book for a reason. I called it underrated. I don't think it is anymore.
3: Yeah, it's the like number one watched movie right now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think I could probably declassify it as uh, underrated, but uh, definitely worth talking about. And I'm glad that I'm going to have an extensive opportunity to do so next week. And in the meantime, this Friday, a totally different type of film. Three days to Wapner, of course. Yeah, Dawson Hoffman will redeem himself For putting on that biohazard suit and doing what he did in Outbreak, I think.
2: Yeah, a a decade earlier, he'd win an Oscar.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're going to cover that movie. It's part of our Tom Cruise retrospective, and he is an essential part of that film. It is not just a Dustin Hoffman movie, even though Hoffman is the one that I think got all the attention and all the awards.
2: Absolutely. You can hear us talk about that this Friday. If you donate, help support our show. Keep us going. Week after week, we haven't missed a week. COVID shutdowns or no, we have not missed a week since we took a New Year's break, Christmas New Year's, in 2010. Wow. OK, so if you want to ke- help us keep going week after week, we're coming up on a full decade of totally free Tuesday shows without missing one. Plus a whole lot of bonus shows on Fridays. Head to now dot com forward slash donate and find all the details, how you can hear our reviews of Candyman, all the Tom Cruise movies, including Top Gun is out there and you'll get Top Gun two whenever it comes out. And at the Platinum level, we announced last week it's going to be Sleepaway Camp because that's what our supporters voted for. So we're going to be doing five Sleepaway Camp
0: movies as well. What is that, by the way? I mean, I had to look myself, but if you haven't got enough of Friday the 13th, it is a Jason of a different sort. I I won't spoil who the killer is, but it might be a surprise. Never
2: seen it? In fact, I'd I'd, I'd heard of it, but never seen it. And we have one final programming note. A couple weeks ago, Stuart, Marjorie, Jacob, Brock, Justin, and I got together for a view party of Friday the 13th Part 8, and hundreds of you listeners showed up. We'd love to see hundreds more show up, and... The response was so positive, the feedback so great, and with no movies coming out to theaters for the foreseeable future, we've decided we're going to have Now Playing's Summer Movie Program, where every other week we're going to have a watch party on Friday nights. Each of the hosts is going to pick one movie that we watch, and then we're going to open it up to listeners to see what the final movie we watch together is. And there may even be a couple of opportunities for some of you guys to join us on the call live as we talk about, review, comment on, lampoon, whatever we do when the movies that come out. And this is pretty breaking news. We just (laughs) decided yesterday that we were going to do this. And so what movies are we going to watch? Not sure entirely yet. But Stewart is the first up picking a movie, and his pick is the 1998 Roland Emmerich film, Godzilla. A lot of people have wanted us to review that ever since we did the recent legendary films, Godzilla and King Kong, and leading up to King Kong vs. Godzilla, whenever the hell that's going to come out. Well, we've always said we aren't going to do a full Godzilla retrospective, But if you want to hear us talk about Godzilla 1998, where Ferris Bueller's day off with a giant lizard, join us on the Hot Mic app. We're going to be posting details on Facebook, on Twitter, on the Venganza Media Gazette. But you download the Hot Mic app, sign up using code NOWPLAYING, all caps, all one word. And then you can follow us on there and join us starting Friday, May 22nd, as we watch Godzilla. So thank you for your support. Thank you for listening to Now Playing. Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. And until next time, be sure to keep your social distance.
1: All reports continue to indicate that the experiment was successful. Then we can feel confident your so-called biological crisis is over. There's no guarantee that another so-called biological crisis won't occur again Hmm. what do we do about that precisely sir what do we do thank you for listening to this episode of now playing podcast we hope you've enjoyed the show hey doc you ain't leaving us here are you Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. It's probably fair to say whoever it is, we've gotten their attention. What happens next is anybody's guess. Also at our site, you can find hundreds of other movie reviews, including Star Wars, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Independence Day, The Avengers Films, Back to the Future, Batman, Superman, The Fast and the Furious, and more. never believe this could really happen. Well, it has happened. Now Playing Podcast is a show without any sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to keep Now Playing operating. We fix it, or we'll die. You can donate to the show and, as our thank you, receive bonus podcasts. Over 150 bonus movie reviews are available to choose from on the Now Playing Podbean page, including Alien. Night of the Living Dead, Jurassic Park, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Lord of the Rings, Psycho, Troll, and more. So okay, isolate and identify. Find a full list of available bonus shows at nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate.
2: You could change everything.
1: You can also join the Now Playing Patron campaign through our Podbean site. Patrons of $10 or more get a new exclusive movie review every month. Plus, even more perks, including one where you can pick a movie for our hosts to review. Find the details on our website. This is a code red emergency. You can help us out by leaving us a five-star review on Stitcher, Podbean, iTunes, or your other podcast store of choice. I listen for Little Bell in here. Dingly! That means a message coming in is for the Wildfire team. Precisely, an MCM communication. I'm expecting one. Yes, sir. Top priority. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. Everything seen and heard in that room is top secret, yes, sir. Now Playing Podcast is produced by Arnie Carvalho. I would say he's under a lot of stress right now. Associate produced by Jason Latham. The survivor.
3: Too bad he can't tell us what
1: happened. Now Playing is edited by Arnie. A he did good, okay? I mean, yeah, he's not perfect, but he deserves credit for what he did. Now Playing credits read by Brock. I need you to talk to me. Talk to me and I can't help you. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. What a world we're making. I can see why the kids are dropping out. Venganza Media Incorporated is not affiliated with the motion pictures reviewed or otherwise referred to herein.
0: Release me immediately or I'll have my lawyer I don't have this. to let you speak to a lawyer. I
1: don't even have to acknowledge that you are in our custody. All movie clips and music included in this podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended.
0: Oh, this is so sick. Look
3: at that thing.
1: Now Playing Podcast is an exclusive trademark of Vingonza Media Incorporated. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2020, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vingonza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. It's a colossal mistake. Tell the president I said so
2: president doesn't trust science. Funny thing about his character, Sai Chow, it, um, Google Docs liked to autocorrect that, to side chick. <laughs> so all my notes are about side chick. So if Marjorie gets really mad, it's because I'm talking about Daniel Day Kim, not some piece I have on the side.
0: <laughs> he kind of is a side chick. I don't feel like he's ever gotten his whole starring vehicle. We've
2: not missed a week in... I mean, I don't know.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. What? <laughs> <laughs> Usually, you know, Arnie. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, if you don't know, I don't know. I don't keep track. I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, is it Wednesday? What is? What year is it?
2: <laughs> yeah, admittedly. Uh, Does that mean we're essential? We're an essential business? <laughs> we are an essential business, yes. Let me look here. I, I, I have a spreadsheet. It'll tell me. It's like 2010
0: or something. I do believe, yeah, it's... Uh, we definitely took time off it in the first year, for sure. But, yeah,
3: yeah, the, yeah. It's like, oh, we'll be back in a month with yeah, Terminator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 2009,
0: 2010,
3: we were... I think sometime in 2010 is when it's...